On December 10th, deadly tornadoes ripped through multiple states, killing almost 100. 80 of those were from the state of Kentucky, and communities were flattened, including Mayfield, where they continue to grieve and recover. In stepped Operation Barbecue Relief to help ensure people in the area had a warm meal during the ongoing efforts. We're talking to Stan Hayes, the co-founder and CEO of Operation Barbecue Relief, and we're talking about the healing powers of barbecue in times of need. This is Pick Up the Six Podcast. Stan, good to see you, man. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Hey, you know, Brian, appreciate the opportunity to, you know, be on and, and you know, and talk a little bit about the work that we do. Absolutely, man. We're going to dig into that. I want to get to know you. I want to hear so much about this incredible nonprofit that you've helped start, been a, a huge part of, and how in these real, man, terrible times, you're stepping in. But I also know it goes beyond that, right? And now you're looking for more ways to get involved in military communities, first responders. So, man, we're going to dig into all that. And we're going to virtually dig into some Q as well, too, because we're going to talk about your favorite things to prepare, right? And all that. But tell me a little bit about the the origins of this, because I think it goes back to 2011. Everybody will remember Joplin, Missouri, and and terrible tragedy that happens there during tornado relief. So take me back to the beginning of, of, of this thing that probably starts off as some folks just trying to help out in a time of need. Uh, that that's exactly right. It, it was, you know, it, it was the the day the morning after the the tornado hit um, Joplin. Um, mo- most people don't really think back to that time, but if you think about it, earlier that year was Tuscaloosa, and then you have then you had Joplin, and Tuscaloosa was far enough away that you know I was like, wow, what could we do, you know, for this area? But we never really. Uh, um, could could do anything. I mean, mobilize or get people. So when it, when it hit in Joplin, it was sort of already in the back of people's minds of what we could do to help if something like that happened. But more than anything, if you think back to that time, you, there were weather helicopters following the disaster as it was happening, where you could see off in the distance the actual the tornado itself. And it, it it's the first time I can remember was Tuscaloosa ever seeing that kind of coverage, mm. you know, of devastation actually happening. And then when you see it, you know, fast forward another month or month and a half and Joplin happens and you see areas that you've driven down before, you see streets and in, in a community that you know people. And it was one of those things, it was sort of a very, um, it was, was a situation where you watched for hours all of this this news reporting, and and you're like, what can I do to help? And it was actually my wife's idea the following morning as we were getting up and I was getting ready for work. She was like, you know, you should go. You should get the barbecue community that you compete with. I mean, you guys go set up in a parking lot already to compete against each other. Why not bring them together and do something good? Together, you can serve more barbecue. You can, you know, help the community. And uh, that was the genesis for starting to make phone calls to say, hey, guys, what do you think? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that first phone call was uh, to one of the three co-founders, uh, um, Jeff Stith. Jeff's not no longer, been, you know, actively involved in the organization. But that conversation that Jeff and I had that morning as I was driving to work about, hey, how we could op- how we could operationalize, you know, the barbecue community, how we could get some of the companies that already support competition barbecue maybe to jump in and help. And uh, we had a 15-minute phone call, hatched a plan to, 
you know, create a Facebook page, put it out to our friends, um, find a location. And, and, and it, it just started steaming from there. Um, I mean, by that night, Monday night, I was in Joplin, um, staying with some barbecue friends, uh, you know, sleeping on their couch, uh, to roll in the next morning and start moving, you know, smokers and stuff. And by Tuesday night, you know, 48 hours later, we're, we're in there cooking. Yeah. And uh, we thought we'd be there for three or four days into the weekend and come home and feel good that we served a few thousand, four or 5,000 meals during that time. And, uh, I think by the end of, by day two, we had served that 5,000 meals that we thought. And companies kept coming in, hearing what we were doing or looking for a way to support the community. And, and, uh, I mean, it was sort of like when, when we couldn't figure out where, where something was going to come from, all of a sudden a truck or somebody in the community told somebody and bread showed up or barbecue sauce showed up or, you know, a poultry company with a, with a whole tractor trailer load of, you know, chicken showing up saying, Hey, you know, we heard what you were doing and heard that you might need some help. Can we come and help? And that's, you think about it though. Who's uniquely qualified? A bunch of competition guys who go in a parking lot for fun to band together to do this with very minimal needs. We had some generators, you know, but, you know, for the most part, it, it was it was just a lot of people with big hearts that wanted mm. to give back to that community to show that community that they weren't forgotten during such a horrible time. And uh, it was about day three of all this activity that we looked at each other going, hey, I we found something here. Yeah. You know, there's a gap that exists from the time these major disasters happen to the time the sustainable organizations and governmental organizations that are going to come in for the weeks, months, years ahead can get in there. We can bridge this gap, yeah. whether that gap's two days or two weeks or, you know, a month. And that's what we have we've done. We, we've set ourselves up as that stop gap moving forward from there. And we use a lot of the princ- same principles from that parking lot in Joplin to to look at how we look at every disaster, whether it's a wildfire, whether it's a tornado, whether it's a hurricane, whether it's a, you know, not not a uh, weather event. I mean, we've done it. We've done explosions. We've done, um, you know, other, you know. A lot of people try to say we do natural disasters, but we do more than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the grain elevator explosion in West Texas in 2012, 2013, that was that was not a natural disaster. That was a man-made disaster that ended up happening. But people were reeling from it. And I don't want to be, ever be put in a box that says, hey, I can't go help somebody in yeah. need yeah. because it wasn't a natural disaster. Totally. So... It ends up being 13 days or so in Joplin, 120,000 meals served. You got pit masters who usually compete against each other. I think from like nine states that come in to be a part of this. There's something interesting in here. I want to come back to on it. You said barbecue community. You guys are uniquely positioned in what you do, how you do it, and and the meal that you create, I think, to be sort of the first boots on the ground here. So what is it about where – where uh, not but days later, you guys could have been at a competition, right? You'd have different rubs, different sauces, different styles competing against each other out to try to get trophies and bragging rights. But what about that community? Right? What about that community makes it so uniquely positioned to step in on something like this and be able to help like that? 
Yeah. Well, I think I think there's a couple of things. One, everybody's rigs already pretty much loaded for the next competition, mm-hmm. you know, and, and cleaned up afterwards and, and you're ready to go for the next one. So, you know, the equipment's usually already ready. Um, the other thing is, is if you think look at all food. I, I don't care what it is, whether it's Italian, whether it's whatever. Barbecue are, the, they're the people at church that are doing that fundraiser for the youth group. Right. They're the people that are doing the fundraiser for their kids' baseball team. The, you know, I did one this year for for my daughter's cheerleading team. I mean, we're, we're out there and we're cooking barbecue to go into the community to help already, you know, and, and I think that's what's uniquely, you know, interesting about all different, different segments of food and restaurants and caterers and everything is barbecue seems to do a lot more when you delve into that community aspect of, yeah, I mean, there's pizza companies that do fundraisers and there's this company that you can come in and that one night at that store will, you know, raise money a certain percentage, but to actually go out and feed, you know, this year's the first time we've had, uh, you know, we actually had a kid um, come to Mayfield who started doing this on his own, making pizzas. He'd make, I think after the Chicago tornado earlier this year, that was a pretty small event that we didn't respond to, you know, he made news by, by making about 125 pizzas a day, Mm -hmm. you know, out of a mobile pizza oven, you know, and he said, look, it's, it's flour, water, uh, it's yeast, it's, you know, some cheese and, and maybe some pepperoni or, or another meat topping. Um, it's fairly cheap to make. It's easy to produce. And this is the first time I've started seeing, you know, what I would say is somebody focusing and doing similar to what, mm-hmm. what we do in another food group. You know, I don't know that I call pizza a comfort food the way I do, um, you know, barbecue. I'd say fried chicken would be the next one for me if it was going to be comfort right. food. But I definitely, I definitely know that there's nothing better than a, a good slice of pizza, you know, um, you know, to have, and it's very communal as well. So it, it fits in, and I think that's, I think that's what you see a lot of times, and the people that are making the the headlines on the ground there, you know, um, the young gentleman that came in with his smoker and, and just, he was doing whatever he could. I mean, you know, around breakfast, he was making breakfast burritos and he was handing them out and, and he, you know, he had opened up his heart and wanted to do something for that community. It's, it's, it's the same thing that we started doing. We've just now take it on a much larger scale. I mean, you know, Mayfield's not, not the huge numbers, but the distance wise, we had meals going, you know, an hour and a half, you know, mm-hmm. to the Southwest to uh, almost two hours, two and a, two hours and 15 minutes to the Northeast from, from, you know, the, the, uh, uh Madisonville area, Dawson Springs, uh, Benton, all these little towns, you know, up and around Mayfield all the way up to Bowling Green. Now, you know, Bowling Green is, is similar to many, many in ways because a portion of the community wasn't affected or a big portion of the community wasn't affected. So there was, it's a big enough community that the, a lot of restaurants were open. A lot of people still had services, but there was still a lot of people that were impacted, you know, because it did hit residential areas. Um, 
And so as we look at that, we may have only been doing four or 5,000 meals a day, but it was spread across a, a, a very large spread out area. And we wanted to make sure that, you know, Mayfield got a lot of a lot of the news about what we were doing because we were set up in Mayfield. But mm. we, every time we tried to communicate, hey, it's not just Mayfield. It's the surrounding communities down to Madisonville, up to to Bowling Green and in, in between. I mean, we yeah, had, that's what made this had, one just so devastating is the way it just ripped across. Right. It's not like it. Boom popped in, which would be terrible, too. But it, it did that. You know, we're going to have uh, Chief Creason on the show here in a couple of days, right? So we're going to sort of continue this conversation. He's going to talk a lot sure. about, obviously, what they're doing on the ground there. I, I want to get into a few other things as well about your sure. background, brag on your organization. But as it relates to, to being in Mayfield, right? And, and you guys likely are so laser focused on what you're doing, right? You got your head in the smoker. You got your head in the plates. You're just trying to make sure everybody get, gets fed. What else did you see happening around that in this time where there's so much negativity about we're all divided and all these different things in the, in these moments, what they tend to do is shed the light on still the incredible good that is the American yeah. people and how we rally. So what do you see on the ground? Oh, I, I, you, you saw a lot of that. You saw a lot of neighbor helping neighbor. You saw a lot of people, you saw an outpouring from communities around the country wanting to make sure that on this that holiday that was coming up that people weren't forgotten i mean we, we did it it's the first time we've ever done something that was not food related and that was on christmas day we had you know my son another volunteer's son um and uh, one of our other volunteers those those three guys primarily went out and raised money um, brought coats, brought bicycles, brought, you know, used the money to buy gifts, um, all to ensure that somebody that lost everything in that community, not only had a good hot meal on Christmas day, but were able to make sure that the kids weren't forgotten. And the kids who were going to go through month, weeks, months, years of this community being built back, had something on Christmas Day. You know, there are many people that we talked to that lost everything. And, and you know, I, I didn't ask my son to go do this. He saw that, you know, um, John David Wheeler, one of our other volunteers, his son, John Dalton, put out there that he was going to raise money. He was going to get bikes and he was going to get toys. And he was trying to get a tractor trailer load, you know, to go. And so my son said, Hey, you know what? I want to go set up in our little town because the town that I live in outside of Kansas city is about the size of Mayfield. Mm. And so he, he did it on his own. He, he put it out on social media. He put it out to all of his friends on Snapchat and whatever other chats there are out there. And, uh, in basically one day of setting up at their local grocery store, raised about $1,400 in, in donations, about another $600 in gift cards and, and people bringing coats and bringing, you know, age appropriate different gifts uh, that that we put out there that we could give and there ended up being over 5000 gifts you know toys sitting on this stage um, at the church that we were set up in there Trace Trace Creek Baptist Church we used their whole stage and they had just gotten done with their christmas production so you had this backdrop and you know 
we had volunteers taking these little kids up there. Basically, we called it shopping. You gave them mm-hmm. a bag, and you got they got to pick five items from there. Um, and we went. We had a hundred bicycles, and and you know the stories of you know people trying to find a bicycle for their kid on the holidays because the one that they bought them, you know, went with the house. And and you know I can't imagine my kids at at a young age, not having a gift to open on Christmas. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, so, but to see my kids, my, my oldest, my son doing that and to see my daughter up there taking these little kids, she's in a little elf out, outfit that somebody bought her, you know, she didn't want to wear it. She wore it for the kids. You know, she, she went up there and did this for, and, and for me, it's probably the best Christmas I'll ever have. Yeah because my kids were there at 16 and 18 years old. I wouldn't have been able to spend a full week with my kids around the holidays. They would be off with their friends. They would have all this, but they both wanted to be there and be part of it. And that is where I think the, uh, you know, the amazing part of this is it wasn't just my family. We had other families that came in and took the time to serve around the holidays together at families. And, and again, it's not something we normally do, it's not something that we'll re- routinely do, but again, something like this, so close to the holidays, you yeah. know, you, you want to make sure that they know they're not forgotten with that mm-hmm. good hot meal, that comforting meal, but there's, kids don't understand the comfort of that meal the way the adults do. Yeah. You know, they understand, the com- they understand the comfort of that gift in that time yeah. of year, man, you know, and, and you're right. Just the proximity to the Christmas holiday around this. And there's, I mean, there's just a credible lesson in there of just having your eyes open, having your eyes and your heart open really to be able to act and, and to take up sort of this mentality of send me, okay, this thing has happened. All right. Send me. It sounds like that's what your kids did, man. That's, that's really incredible. How did, how'd you get into all this, right? How'd you get into to competition barbecue? What's your background that, that, that led you down this road? So, you know, the, uh, I think, you know, it stems from just you know, me, me enjoying cooking. And, you know, I, I mean, people have asked me how it started, where it started, uh, you know, it probably started with my grandma, at, you know, as a little kid waking up when she would make cinnamon rolls, you know, start making cinnamon rolls at 6am in the morning. You know, when I was a little kid sleeping on the, on the couch in the front room, smelling the, the smells and, and why my grandma was making that. And, um, and then her cooking and my other grandma, they both, you know, cooked. Um, but yeah, my, I joke with my dad quite a bit because, um, when I was a kid, I, I didn't know that, you know, chicken wasn't supposed to be black. And, <laughs> like and, hockey, hockey puck chicken and burgers. Yeah. You know, um, and, and it was, it was one of those things that he's also evolved over the years in, in, in cooking over live fire. And, and, and it's probably that live fire that really got pulled me in there. And then you, you know, before barbecue pit masters and those shows started coming out, I, I started getting in buying my first smoker, you know, I still do it. I hold an annual party that started, uh, um, the week of my, uh, uh, my wedding, because I, I was living in St. Louis and all my friends and stuff were from either Kansas city or central Kansas area were coming over days before the wedding. And, uh, so I did, I held a barbecue for all of them that were coming in from out of town so they could eat and everything. And 
And that's the first time I really cooked for a lot of people. They're like, man, you're pretty good at this. Like, you know, in mass. Yeah. I was like, you know, this is an easy way. It's comfort food is this, this, and this. And, um, you know, I thought, well, you know, this is, this is really something that I I could see myself doing. You know, um, I I tell people that, yeah, I played, I played tennis since competitive tennis since I was like fourth grade. I grew up in a town in central Kansas in the eighties, you know, I had more state titles than any other, any other school in the state of Kansas. Um, you know, I, I, I was in a community of 3000 people and, and you have those kind of numbers. Um, it was a tennis town. Um, I, I played football. I played, you know, and as I got older, I'm like, I can't, I can't play these sports anymore. And this was a way to sort of get that rush back of hmm. competition again. Yeah. When I started getting into the competition side of things and learning competition barbecue. And so that's really what drove me to get there is I think finding a purpose of a way to continue to compete, a way to, you know, um, morph, if you will, mm-hmm. um, what you, you can't do anymore. You can use that, you know, and uh, so that's how I started getting in there. I went to one competition barbecue with a buddy of mine who was sort of my mentor in this. And Jeff uh, invited me along. And so I went there and I remember calling my wife the next day. <laughs> and she was, she was she was like, all right, enough. You can tell me about it later. And I'm like, no, no, you have to talk to me until I get off these curvy roads and get onto like a highway. Because if I fall asleep, I'm going to eat a, eat a big oak tree or something down here mm-hmm. because I got like maybe two hours of sleep the whole time at the competition. And she's like, it sounds horrible. You're like, you know? No, it was amazing. It was the greatest thing. And I was like, exactly. I was like, it was, and she's like, why? And I said, the people, Yeah. you know, the community. And, yeah. and, you know, when you talk about the barbecue community, it's, it's your, your enemies for about three hours at a competition. Other than that, you're drinking a beer together. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're swapping lies, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then competition happens. And then you go right back to, yep. you know, yep. the same camaraderie, the same, you know, family, if you will, that you had before. And, and it's very unique, um, you know, family's family, but, you know, barbecue family, you choose to be around, you know, the other you're, you're, you're just saddled with for life. Some you like, some you don't, yep. um, some you, yep. you tolerate and, and here you get to choose. And uh, that's the, I think the beauty of behind the friendships that we've made, the, the ability to scale the organization the way we ha- have across the country, because, you know, having the roots in barbecue help, but now it's really about just having a big heart to want to yeah. give yeah. and, and barbecue is the means to make it happen. Totally. You know, the old saying, barbecue sauce is thicker than blood. I don't know if anybody oh, yeah. said that before. I just said it now. Oh, yeah. Feel free. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, right. absolutely. All right. I want to talk. Uh, I want you to brag about the organization for a little bit before that, though. Yeah. Right. I want to talk about from your perspective, what a perfect barbecue plate looks like, because, right, you can travel this great country, the globe. I can I'm, I live in eastern North Carolina. Right. I go 10 minutes down the road, heck, an hour down the road where I grew up in Goldsboro, where we've got two great barbecue joints. And that's going to look very different than what somebody else might want. Right. Texas, they got brisket. Memphis, they got ribs. Here we got pulled pork, Eastern Carolina vinegar barbecue, right? There's all these different styles and you've seen it all. You've probably prepared it all. But for you, the proper plate, what's it look like? So, you know, I, 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 
this is this is one of those questions that that I, I I'll probably be the most political answer you'll get, right? You know, um, because well, I'll tell you, I'll, risky, listen, I'll, I'm an equal opportunity eater. Oh, right? I'm for uh, absolutely. <laughs> me, me and you both. So if I want brisket or if I want beef ribs, I'm thinking Texas, you know, it just hands down. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm thinking burn ends, no one knows how to do burnt beef burn ends. And, and I'm talking true burn ends. I'm not talking this stuff of taking pork belly and everything else and making Cuban it. Burn it up. Ends. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about beef brisket burnt ends uh, and uh, no one does it better than Kansas city. No one knows really how to do it. Um, and you know, uh, if you're talking ribs, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Memphis style dry ribs. Yep. Um, you know, it's just, there's something about it. Um, you know, the best, the best pork sandwich I ever had, um, Sam Jones made for me and, uh, yeah, we were yeah, sitting there and, and he chopped that thing, you know, he chopped it up grabbed some of the skin, chopped that skin in mm-hmm. with it, put it on a bun, put a little bit of his slaw on top. Yeah, he did. You know, yeah, he, he did. did it to me. And that's and, what I grew up on. And man. I just remember thinking, oh my God, this is amazing. And then I said, you know what? If I was the guy over there taking white vinegar and hot sauce and salt and pepper and throwing it on top of this meat and chopping it together, it would taste like hot sauce, you know, <laughs> white vinegar and too much salt and pepper. But when he did it and, and, and chopped that together, it was, it was amazing. And as I've gone around and, and doing that, my plate would be, you know, a, a, a chopped pork, you know, whole hog sandwich with some, with a vinegar slaw on top of it, you know, would be some dry, you know, would be some baby back ribs with dry rub on it would be some burn ends on the side. And I'd probably just go with the beef rib because it's like brisket on a stick at that point in time. And, uh, you know, it sounds pretty good to to me, me, man. That's what it would be. And, and, and we could talk like a whole hour about sides at these barbecue restaurants, because I think some of the best sides I've ever had have come from barbecue restaurants all over the country, whether it's a banana pudding, whether, you know, whether it's a baked potato, the size of your head, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the, it's, it's almost endless. It seems like when it comes to that, but I think you have to look at the real star and, and that as a country, we have everything and, you know, it's migrated now. I mean, you you go places and you have pit masters in New York city that has spent years learning down in Texas to do Texas style barbecue with their own spin on it in Brooklyn, New York. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you're seeing you're seeing areas of Mississippi that are that are doing, a, you know, similar to a St. Louis style rib, but, you know, a little different here and there. And 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 there are times I can tell you what, you know, um, Central Texas going down there and getting uh, some spare ribs with just some salt and pepper on them. I, you know, there's something pretty magical about it, um, yep. you know, and and. I think that uh, everybody needs to, you know, hopefully take the time to experience that, whether it is like you were talking about a vin- the vinegar sauce, you know, the mustard sauce, the, you know, it's, it's what's in the area there. I, I go to the area. I want what they're making. Yeah, I totally, don't want, totally. you know, I don't go to Texas looking to find a, a, a chopped whole hog sandwich. If I find one there, 
I'm not going to turn it down. But, you know, uh, I'm thinking, you know, Central Texas, I'm thinking all the different kinds of sausage. I mean, uh, I still don't know that there's too many places that can beat that area of the country for sausage. Bro, that German influence that came into Texas and has created those barbecue sausages. I mean, it's, you're right. They're the best on the planet. I mean, they're so good. They're so good. I, I lived yeah. in Wichita Falls, Texas for a few years after college. We had this little town of Winthorst. A small town, like 1A football. They won all the state championships, by the way. 1A football. <laughs> but man, what they made from a sausage. And you put that in a smoker. I mean, it was amazing. I'm with you. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. That's good. I'm getting hungry. We're recording this around lunchtime. I'm going to have to go get something to eat. You are yeah. right. If you haven't had a chopped pork sandwich where they put some of the skin and the crackling back in there, guys, it's game changer. Oh, yeah. Game changer. Absolutely. Love it, man. Great answer. I'm with you. Banana pudding all the way. Mac and cheese, collard greens. That's about all I need, right? Make it easy, simple, and good. But you're right. There it, it's it's that it's that communal feel. And it and it's that all the different influences of those communities is what you want to get a taste of. And I think that's yep. why your community has stepped up in in such a big way during these tragic events. All right, brag on your organization a little bit. Let's talk specifically about Operation Barbecue Relief, just the incredible work you've seen happen over these last 10, 11 years. Yeah, you know, I, I'm i gonna tell you some numbers. Before we talk numbers though, you know, one of the things is, you know, it, it's numbers are a double-edged sword because, you know, one, I really don't care that much about numbers, but without the numbers, I can't show the impact to sponsors. I can't show the impact to um, partners that, that we have out there on the scope and size of what we do. So, um, you know, we talk about barbecue and, and it being, you know, that comfort food, but we call it the one hot meal that matters. We've served it over 9.6 million times now after Mayfield, you know, but it's, it's serving that one hot meal that matters 9.6 million times instead of just being, Hey, we've served, you know, 9.6 million meals Yeah, because it's really about that meal that matters. That's going out there to that family, to that, that individual that, you know, to that first responder that comes to the community and, and, and spends those 18 hour days, you know, um, eating power bars or, you know, an MRE, um, that gets that sandwich that gets that, you know, um, that love that we put it, you know, on a plate. And, and to me, that's, that's where, you know, what it's at. I mean, I think, I, I think, and I say think, cause it's, it's gotten to a point that I don't know all, all the numbers the way I used to off the top of my head, but I think it, I believe Mayfield was our 91st disaster that we've done in 10 and a half years. Um, that means, uh, May, uh, you know, Kentucky's the 31st state that we've deployed to. Um, we've been to 31 different states plus the Bahamas. Um, you know, we have about 10,000 registered volunteers. And we're trying to clean that up. We know that over the years that people, you know, life happens and their priorities change. And so we're trying to clean that up. So we're just getting to what's really important, you know. Um, and, and, the, those volunteers that actively want to be engaged and figure out ways to engage them. And, and, you know, we don't want anybody to be, you know, forgotten if you will, but if, if, if they don't want to be volunteers, that's fine. They want to continue to support us, follow us on social media and everything. That's great. Um, you know, we, we have been deployed now, something like over, you know, when you, when you take 
all of the time to get all the days together. I believe it's over 2000 and some days wow. in the last 10 and a half years. So, you know, that's a lot of days being out there on disasters or, you know, on um, non-disaster events across the country that we, we do. So uh, again, barbecue family is, is different. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they see, you know, they have that heart to give, and that's that's the the top thing that I'm most proud of are those those volunteers that continually give of their time, their heart, their money, um, their tears in these communities. Because without those volunteers, we could have the best sponsors in the world. We could have, you know, we could have the you know the food, the equipment, all of this. But without the people that want to give their heart to those communities coming out, we just can't do it. Yeah. And that's that's the you know um, those people are the ones I'm most proud of, and and the the area um, that I see our greatest opportunities have been coming off of a COVID world that we've been in, in the last you know almost two years now. Um, I'm hoping that we'll start seeing those numbers come back to where they were pre-COVID because we've been we've mm-hmm. been working on on much less than normal um, when it comes to volunteers. And that means our volunteers have had to do a lot more. Now we've gotten a lot more efficient also over the years, but you know, that, that is, uh, you know, it, it's one of the areas that I'm most proud of. And one of the areas that probably keeps me up at night right now. Yeah. Yeah. Is navigating what that future is going to look like. The website is operation BBQ relief.org will include not only the web address, but some more information and show notes on the show page here. I encourage you guys to go check that out. Operation BBQ relief.org. And at a minimum guys, please consider uh, putting a little wind in their sails, throwing a donation their way. So there's, there's obviously opportunity and challenge when it comes to uh, responding to disaster. And there's also thinking about what does the future look like and where else can you be impactful and what other communities can you help impact? I know you guys have a heart for first responders, for the American military, and likely my gut would be because you've come in such close contact with them over the last 10, 11 years. So what's the future look like? Yeah. So, you know, I use the terms gray, gray sky days and blue sky days. Very easy to understand. There's a lot more blue sky days than there are gray sky days in the year. And uh, when you look at that and we look at how we continue to impact communities, impact people's lives, um, I actually let uh, our, our volunteers sort of, you know, direct us this way over the last few years of doing little uh, service projects to keep volunteers busy in different areas of the country when it's been slow is, hey, what, you know, if there's something in your community that you can do to give back and, you know, we, we could put a little money into, uh, you know, push some product your way or get, you know, some people to help you don't, you know, that, to step up and donate product, you know, what would you do? And, and uh, we did the, we've done this for years now and we really didn't promote it that much. Um, but, you know, what we found were like reserve units being called up and being deployed and, and doing a, a picnic, you know, for the families before deployment or after mm-hmm. deployment. And, you know, it's, it's um, hearing the stories of doing, you know, pre and post deployments have been, been, you know, pretty amazing. But, you know, as we started looking at these, what we were, you know, what our volunteers were asking to do, you know, about probably eight out of 10 times, it fell around first responders, 
or military um, veteran organizations. And we thought if we're going to operationalize something, you know, why not, why not choose those heroes that give every day, you know, back to us, whether it's a first responder who is always working, whether he's on or off the clock um, or, you know, our military um, and what they have to do in protecting this country. So we, you know, we call the, that our always serving project because they are the people that are always serving. Um, so our always serving projects launched really to focus on, on those areas of, you know, first responders, veteran military, and together, this is a big mouthful and it's an audacious goal and it's something that we work towards, but it, and that is, is how we can do our part to help the fight on hunger. Mm. And, and today that's probably more relevant than it's been in the last few years because of, you know, the people in food service industry that have lost their, their jobs during, during the pandemic that are still struggling today. Um, and that food insecurity is greater than it's been possibly, you know, in our lifetime, not to say it's been not been worse before, because there are definite times in the, mm -hmm. in thirties, twenties, you know, that, that we, this country, you know, saw a huge, huge uh, need. But if you look at that and what we can do, if we can do programs around grilling and barbecue that educate people about what we do as an organization, but gives them life skills that maybe, you know, and, and when I get to go to these events, I tell every one of them, man, I hope you, you know, if, I hope we never come to your community, but if we do, I hope you're going to come out and volunteer with us. Mm -hmm. But if that's not really what you want to do, we, we completely understand. But I would tell you that um, I hope you find the passion to use your new skills, whether it whether it's to cook for your kids, you know, you know, baseball team, soccer team, um, doing a fundraiser for your church, you know, getting into the community and, you know, for that family in need that needs, you know, to raise some money for whatever reason. I hope that you use these skills because um, one of the things I think most of us probably take for granted, especially in the barbecue community, is that people know how to grill and barbecue. And and what we find is a lot of people love to do it, but have never really been given that instruction. It's all been, you know, you know, well, my dad did it this way and, you know, or I learned this way. And it's been a lot of trial and error. And the more we've done what we call barbecue basic, which is a two day class on the basics of grilling and barbecue and then immersing them into a little competition at the end um, has really, you know, we had some volunteers come out, at least one to Kentucky that that is an alumni of that program, you know, didn't know who we were beforehand, you know, went through it and, and was a volunteer. We have we have one who's an employee now um, as a program manager who went through the program, one of the very first barbecue basics that we did. So as we see that, you see how their passion can can change. And I think it's, you know, they they also see that the military or first responder community, the barbecue community is very much the same way. You know, it's very tight knit. They 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 welcome you. They are they are passionate 
And uh, we want them to see that there's a lot of that out there. So mm-hmm. with that, we continue to do these. And obviously, the last year and a half, we've we've been riddled with not being able to do a lot of classes because of, you know, having them scheduled and canceling and, and pushing or rescheduling. And uh, the more we started looking at it, we, we uh, thought about ha- finding our own destination location to where we could bring people in instead of us traveling the country. Let's bring them into a centralized location. And, and uh, so, you know, more will be coming out about uh, Camp OBR, but Camp OBR will be nestled on 180 acres um, in the heart of the Ozarks uh, on Lake of the Ozarks. And uh, the property, uh, you know, will, you know, currently has about a 6,000 square foot uh, home that's being, will be turned into the lodge. Mm-hmm. And we will start building uh, tiny cabins um, on the property to house people, um, first responders, veterans, military members, and their families um, as a place to come uh, together um, and help heal physical, emotional wounds, bring families together. And you think about it, one of the, the, one of the strongest things that bringing family together is around the kitchen table, you know, eating dinner together. A lost, I mean, it's lost in my family. It's lost in so many families. Kids are busy. They got activities. They, you know, if we sit down once a week to dinner as a family, it's, you know, it's a blessing for us. Um, But it's a way that we can help the family start communicating together again. And if we do it around food and something that people get passionate about and education and teaching kids and mom and dad to do this together, um, it's not going to heal everything. We know that, but it's, it's a way that people can help bridge that gap of communication, um, that emotional and, and physical injuries can, can be healed. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, to, you know, not trying to get so deep into that, but that's really what it's about is how we can give back to those, you know, those heroes that have given so much. And, uh, you know, and then on top of that, we have an opportunity for hunting and fishing, you know, there on the property without ever leaving the property. I mean, 180 acres of wooded, you know, of oak trees and, and uh, um, ravines and areas perfect for deer and turkey. And, and uh, you know, I mean, we'll, you have down at Lake of the Ozarks, you have paddlefish. And so you have paddlefish season, which is about a five week week period. We're already working on the first camp to do something around paddlefish season and doing little tournaments out of out of the camp there for the weekends. We're not going to wait for cabins to be built. We're going to use our own bunkhouses that we put our volunteers in to bring these veterans out for some of these, bring their families out for some events. And some events may just be a day. Some of them may be a whole weekend um, until we get things built out and then where we're able to do a a week long camp. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've got, this property has about 1600 feet of lake frontage. You know, we've got our own dock, you know, we'll probably build a little swimming area out there. You know, um, Lake of the Ozarks is an amazing lake, not just for fishing, but for, you know, just water sports and being able to go tubing. I mean, what, I mean, I grew up in a household. We didn't go to the lake. We didn't yeah. go tubing. Yeah. We didn't go water skiing. We didn't do these things. But there's some of these families that may never have that opportunity. So if we can do that, if we can put them, you know, on the water, 
if we can, you know, take them out hunting, if we can put them on a ATV trail, there, there are, you know, opportunities to be able to give, um, them potentially, you know, new skills and opportunities they may never, ever have, you know, or get, um, in the future. So those are the things that we're looking at doing. And and it's not that we're going to stop going and putting on barbecue basics at different parts of the country, going to a bases or doing something at the V at a VA. We're still looking at doing those. There just won't be as many. I mean, it, it, it's, it's the cost, you know, we're just inverting that cost from traveling around the country to do this and what it costs to go set up in these parking lots to bringing people in, you know, and we'll probably, the goal will probably be somewhere around 28 to 32 camps a year, whether wow. they're a, whether it's a weekend camp um, or a week long camp whether it's specifically about grilling and barbecue with some fun on the water or fishing or, you know, um, trap shooting or something, or it is, you know, it is a field to table type of a week long one where they, during deer season or turkey season, they're going out there hunting, you know, hopefully getting something, bringing it back, you know, field dressing to butchering down to whether it's, uh, you know, here are, you know, you don't have to always do it this way, you know, teaching them new ways to, to take that deer meat and make it, you know, into something that they've never had before. And, uh, what, maybe it's making their own sausage out Mm -hmm. of it, you know, making their own summer sausage, how to do it, how to grind it, how to smoke it. Um, those are all things that we see um, as possibilities. And as we're building this out, you know, we're going to build out a whole, you know, training kitchen with workstations that families can cook together while, be, you know, going through, you know, the education side of whether it's some meat science, whether it's about how, I mean, it, it, it may sound silly for people that are into cooking and stuff, but how different rubs act differently to different proteins, to different fats, to different, you know, um, and, and how they have to know that, you know, certain fats break down a rub differently than, you know, not, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that there are, you know, sauces are not all the same. I mean, you know, not every sauce is a, a sweet, thick, molassesy type thing that you might find here in the Kansas City area. There's sweet heat. Then you get into some of my favorite are our vinegar, you know, based or very or really almost just all vinegar, you know, mm-hmm. with some spice in them. And uh, how, how that complements, you know, cutting the fat, doing all these things. And I think it's things that people may sort of know, but they don't know. And if you can, if you've given those little tidbits and they get to cook to get, you know, for themselves and they're getting to create some stuff and they're getting to make their own mistakes, you know, and they're getting to do it with like people, like Mm -hmm. families, you know, and, and frankly, if you look at it, there's not many camps around the country that co-mingle our first responders and, you know, our veterans or active military together, you know, 
Um, it's usually, hey, it's a first responder place or it's a, you know, and, and heck on the, the military veteran side, it, it, it even gets even more specific. It, you know, there's ones just for, yep. you know, there's yep. ones for branches. There's some that are just for special forces. There are some that are, you know, and uh, here we think there's just there's a lot of power and synergy of bringing all, you know, all different demographics together because they're all dealing with very similar, um, you know, issues, whether it's PTSD, whether it's physical injuries that they face. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that letting, you know, letting them know that there's more than just, you know, a branch behind them. Um, and, and that there's more people that care about them than just those guys. I mean, that's what makes, uh, I think the barbecue community, so special is somebody can walk in there without any barbecue experience, whatever, whatsoever, but wants to learn or, you know, has a passion, even if it's just on the eating side and they can be part of that family. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible, man. It's, it's amazing to think back to, you know, what happens in this moment in May of 2011 that has then become just this incredible way of service before self strength, the purpose, community impact. You guys are living every step of it. I'm gonna tell the website one more time. It's Operation BBQ. So you gotta use those letters, right? Operation BBQ relief.org. He's Stan Hayes. Man, it's been incredible to talk to you, hear your story, talk about some good food, talk about some great work that's happening in these communities. And obviously we wish you nothing but the best in the future. You got fans for life here and you are a prime example of how you can go out there and pick up the six. Thank you, man. Hey, well, I appreciate the opportunity today and tell a little bit about our story. And uh, hopefully everybody, you know, starts following us on our social media as well as we are doing good around the country. Yep. He is Stan Hayes. I'm Brian Jodis. And this has been Pick Up the Six Podcast. <laughs>